You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm your host. Today, we're here with Michael Zapersky. Michael is CEO of Consulting Success, and he's the author of The Elite Consulting Mind. Michael, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So I always like to start with just kind of getting people's backgrounds. I mean, we're going to hear a little bit about how you work with consultants and how you help with kind of success and strategy and helping them build business. But I'd love to hear, like, how did you get into this? What was your professional background and how did this all start for you? Yeah, so it started actually out of high school, a little bit of a high school. My cousin and business partner, of course, cousin, but also business partner to this day, <laughs> Sam and I uh, started a web design development business. Yeah, uh, His role was really in the design and development. My role was, you know, business development, client communications. And that business, you know, lasted for a while. It really was kind of our entrepreneurial beginnings but very quickly showed us a lot of potential and, um, and, you know, we learned a lot. So we transitioned that into a branding and marketing consultancy called Kanke Culture. Kanke in Japanese means relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ended up going over to Japan and opening up a branch office for that business. And we advised and consulted for uh, and worked with organizations like Panasonic and Dow Jones and Financial Times and Sumitomo and Omron and a whole bunch of other, you know, billion dollar organizations, helping them to communicate more effectively and to launch products and brands into English speaking markets around the world. Yeah. So So you're kind of the reverse translator. Yeah. Yeah. it, It was just a lot of fun. You know, frankly, like I could never go into Japan helping Japanese companies to sell more to the Japanese market because of so many of the nuances. But in terms of helping them to communicate effectively to English speaking countries that, you know, that felt it was just very comfortable. So I was still quite young when I was doing that. I was in my early 20s. And that taught me a lot of lessons about self-confidence, about coming up against challenges and roadblocks and, you know, mindset. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because here I was, this young guy working with billion dollar organizations. I was presenting in boardrooms uh, in Japanese. I was, you know, surrounded by 50 and 60 year olds, but, uh, but it really was a, a wonderful experience. And so we, we built that business. I ended up coming back to North America, later starting another consulting business, this time helping professional services firms. So law firms, accountants, uh, other financial uh, insurance investment advisories to generate more leads for their business. And it was right around that time where both myself and Sam really recognized that we wanted to also have the ability to work from anywhere, to build a business yeah. that was location independent. And so that was really important for for us. And so that's kind of where consulting success started. But when it started, there was really no good business plan behind it. There was no monetization. There was no product. It really just came from a place of, okay, let's start something. I'm going to begin by writing articles mm-hmm. and sharing you know, my lessons, both of what was working and what wasn't working, right? The, the failures and kind of lessons as well yeah. with others. Because I, I thought if I'm learning a lot, why not share it with others so they don't have to make the same mistakes? And so fast forward until today, you know, we've, we've worked with thousands of consultants around the world. We've personally helped over 300 of them add six and seven figures to their annual revenues. 
you know, we've built up a, an audience of over 33,000 people on our, on our mailing list. We have many more coming to the website each month. So it's, it's really kind of gained, you know, kind of a, a momentum or a movement around it and, and a really great community. Uh, and I like that kind of that approach of, hey, we've, we've got great learning, great content. Let's get it out there in the world and see what we attract and, and then figure out how to kind of build a business and monetize, or monetize it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the one just made a distinction I would make there, it's yeah. it, that wasn't like our full time, the full time gig was still running consulting businesses. Yeah. So we weren't doing this from a place of, well, yeah, we need to generate income from it. Yeah. I'm, I'm certainly not a big believer necessarily in the model of just build something and try and monetize it down the road. I think it's very important to validate what you're doing as quickly as possible. But in this case, it was almost just like, hey, here's a hobby. I'm going to write and share information. Yeah. Hopefully it helps others. But as we saw the momentum pick up with it, it you know, we clearly saw a business as well. Sure. And, and when did you see that pivot or when did when did that go from becoming kind of the hobby to see, seeing that as a real line of business that you could focus on? Yeah. So, I mean, continue to to run a consulting business alongside of it, but probably about a year in or maybe eight, eight months to 12 months into writing articles and putting it up, it just was clear that something was happening that, yeah. you know, I wasn't just putting out content and, um, and it was going to an abyss. Like there was interaction, there was engagement, there were, there were questions coming in. And so I think like any, you know, good business person, you recognize when there is a need and you're able to validate that if you're able to provide value and a solution, then, then a business can be born. And so, uh, for quite some time, you know, we were shifting energy and at one point we were running three different businesses at once. <laughs> uh, we ended up selling one of the, one of our other businesses was, was acquired. So we continue to kind of fine tune and, and balance where we were spending our time. Mm-hmm. And today I'm spending, you know, the vast majority of my time, uh, working with clients at consulting success. Yeah. So, so talk to us about what consulting success focuses on. Who do you help? What is the value you provide? How do you provide it? Sure. So there's two main groups of clients or of consultants that we help. I mean, it's exclusively consultants. If someone is a, a massage therapist or a spiritual healer, right, if they're serving consumers as their end client, mm-hmm. then we're not the best place. There's others out there that can help them. Our, our core client is someone who has a great deal of, of expertise. They've okay. typically de, you know, developed that work in the corporate world for quite some time. Uh, now they want to realize their own potential. And so they'll reach out to us when they want to essentially start a successful consulting business. Yeah. And we have a roadmap and a plan to help them to, to do that. The other kind of segment or client is someone who's been running a consulting business for many years. Mm-hmm. They've typically got to where they are just based on referrals in their own network. Yeah. But they realize that those referrals are starting to dry up. They're not able to grow. Maybe revenue is flatlining or it's even dipping. They don't have consistency. They don't have a good marketing plan. And so we'll work with them to put in a very good marketing plan and, and system and process that allows them to generate more leads consistently, allows them to scale their business, you know, to grow revenue, but also to to create more freedom and and, uh, and leverage so they have time to enjoy life. Yeah. And you mentioned this before. I'm curious, how much how much are you helping them with kind of the process and the uh, the techniques and how much are you helping them with the mindset? Because, you know, I think that your kind of experience in the and the Japanese culture of, of, you know, how kind of finding yourself in these positions. And it was, it was much of a challenge is how are you thinking about the situation? How are you framing it as, as the actual work that you're doing? How do you approach that when you, when you work with your clients? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. So that's, that's actually the reason why I wrote the book, The Elite Consulting Mind, because what I continue to notice, Bruce, is that you can have people who are extremely skilled, who know, you know, they, they know the strategies, they know the tactics, like they know what they need to do, but they're not doing it. They're not getting the results that they want. And so what came back to me more and more and what I saw 
in our own business and in our clients' businesses is that the most successful people are the ones who have kind of mastered their mindset or they at least have certain approaches or ways of thinking. And so in that book, I share kind of 16 of the most Mm. common roadblocks or challenges that people encounter as consultants and then share my own stories and experiences as well as stories from our clients of how to overcome those and how to see things differently. Because when you see those things differently, you can approach the exact same situation. One person will get knocked down and just feel like they're dragging themselves every single day. And others will just be able to get right back up and say, okay, like this is part of the learning experience. Like here's what I need to do. Or, you know, challenges around pricing or challenges around trying to be a perfectionist in your marketing. These are very common things that that we all encounter, but the most successful just know how to manage them from a mindset perspective. So in terms of back to like your real question, how do we focus our time? The majority of our time is spent really helping our clients get the right processes and systems in place, giving them the best practices, the tools, the templates to be able to really start seeing results quickly. That being said, a, a big part of our coaching program is mindset. And so we create a community, we create an environment where consultants can learn not only from us, but also from others like themselves and really be able to to see things for what they are and to be able to to share. Because, you know, being a consultant can be a pretty lonely you know, career. Yeah. It can be when you're by yourself, it's like, well, who do you bounce questions off of or who can you ask a question to? Or what if you're just feeling a little bit down? Like you're not the only person, but if you are the only person, if you don't have a good community or if you don't have someone that you can share with, oftentimes it can be really hard. So what we've really focused on doing is creating this environment where people don't have to feel alone, where they can very confidently and comfortably share what they're going through, share their successes. But what I've also observed, Bruce, is that one of the biggest things that holds people back from really feeling that sense of of confidence is they don't have a plan. And so when you provide them a plan and you really lay it out for them and you give them confidence and you can show them that it's been working for others, then it makes them feel much more comfortable to give it a try. And so they don't hesitate as much. And so we mix in um, as much as we can lessons around mindset and even breaking it down. So when we talk about pricing, mm-hmm. we have a training on the mindset for pricing. When we talk about marketing, we talk about the the mindset for marketing. And so we'll we'll always have a layer or an element of mindset around every module or every, you know, kind of key yeah. stage or strategy that we're sharing. Yeah. And, and I want to talk about pricing in a second here. I think the, sure. the one you did remind me of the one story I had, I had a coach mentor who before I kind of went out and did my original consulting work, I, I was telling him, I was like, well, I want to be a consultant because I don't want to have to have a boss. And he looks at me and says, look, the problem is, is you're going to be your own boss. And I'm not sure you want to work for yourself. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and having that kind of discipline and that structure. And I think a lot of people kind of make that mistake or at least don't appreciate that going into consulting is that, A, you have to sell all the time. Like it's it's a it's a selling game and you have to be self-managing. And a lot of people, I think, get into consulting and don't realize that they have to be really good managers of themselves to make this whole thing work. Definitely. I mean, it's a true test of of how committed someone is. I mean, a lot of people say they're committed, right? Or they express that. But I think there's a very big difference between being interested and being committed, right? People that are interested will always dabble. They'll gather lots of information. They typically feel empowered by information or just by activity. But what typically happens, what I've observed is just activity itself is not what gets you success, right? It's doing the right things, the high value activities. But most often those high value activities 
are the ones that a lot of people feel uncomfortable around. They're the more challenging mm. ones. And so they're the ones that people put off, like picking up the phone and giving someone a call or going to an event or putting a piece of content out there that may not be perfect yet. Or right, it's very easy to spend time playing with our websites or our business plans or <laughs> choosing get fonts of our business yeah, cards. <laughs> exactly. Like presentations just right. Like all this stuff gives people the false illusion that they're being productive. Yeah. But you don't need those things to really be successful. Or you, you certainly don't need those things to be perfect to be successful. And so that's why taking action is one of the biggest things that I encourage. You know, my clients probably are just tired of, of hearing me say this, but like imperfect action. It is yeah. so powerful because that's where you learn. And it doesn't matter wh whether you're talking about pricing, you're talking about marketing, you're talking about, you know, just trying something, a new product. Imperfect action is what actually will give you feedback from the marketplace. And at the end of the day, that's what matters the most. Do you think the imperfect action push is more about because it's only only by taking action is where you'll learn like you'll get the feedback to tell you what how to do it right or that you know 80 percent of the time it's good enough like it just it's going to be sufficient to do what you need it done at the time um yeah. which which do you think or is it both or how do no, those i think so? that's a really great question and I, and I do believe that there are studies that have shown that most of you know, the the output will come from so like you don't need 100 yeah. percent to get the result. Right. And so what most people think is, oh, yeah, I need 100 percent to be able to get in their mind completion. But what I've observed that the most successful people do is they don't actually care necessarily about the perfection or the 100 percent completion. It's that they're always taking action. And so even if even if they're only putting in like a 70 percent completed action, mm -hmm. that 70 percent is compounding because they're doing it over and over and over again. And so they're making significantly more progress than the person who's waiting to try and have something that is just 100 percent to to put out there. Yeah. I'm curious about these other kind of mindset there or, or things that you've seen people kind of approach wrong or frame wrong when they're kind of looking at their practice or developing their practice. What are some of the nuggets that you've had in, you know, either from the book or from the work that you've done that you've seen out there? Yeah, well, I mean, you touched on pricing, right? So pricing is, a, I think, a huge one for so many people. Yeah. It really, a common challenge that people have around that is they, they use kind of like the status quo pricing of hourly pricing or, or daily rates. And that's a really big, big problem. We're happy to dive into that and kind of talk about why that's that's not optimal in almost all situations. Yeah. But even a, another issue just regarding pricing is that most people leave a lot of money on the table because they're scared to increase their fees. Um, mm -hmm. And that happens for two reasons. One is they don't know how to increase their fees. So they don't have a good approach to that. Mm, which means they're not they're not confident then to go ahead and do it. But even then, when when they have a good approach, oftentimes people worry and they worry that they're going to lose clients, they're going to offend someone or that someone might say no to them. And it's this fear of rejection. But what I've seen consistently, this is both in our own business and with our clients, that the moment that you say, OK, like I now know what I need to do, you learned what how to increase your prices or how to approach it the right way. And when you just put it out there, almost every single time you will get you'll start making more money. And this is like the lowest hanging fruit for the vast majority of people. It's this fear of, okay, well, no, I don't know if I can charge more. I'm, you know, maybe the, the buyer's gonna say, or my client's gonna say no to me. But the moment that you actually put it out there, you will almost always find, as long as the value is there, right? I'm not just, I'm not encouraging people just to increase their pricing if the value isn't there, but as long no. as the value and the return on investment is gonna be there for your client, making sure that you are being compensated fairly for that and charging premium fees almost always leads you to actually receiving premium premium fees. Yeah. Um, so that I think is is just a really great opportunity for everyone to just look at what they're charging. Uh, do you know, actually, we did a, a study at Consulting Success where we asked people, you know, do you want to be earning higher fees? And over 80% of respondents said yes. Yeah. And so when we dug into that, we could figure out kind of like what was going on. That just shows us there's huge opportunity for people 
to earn more because if you really believe that you deserve more, you probably do. Yeah, it's funny. It's I find that's true with business in general is that the moment you can increase your price, I mean, all that drops to the bottom line. Unless you're talking about changing something about your business model or the service you're offering or the product you're developing as well, increasing price 1% is often a 10 to 20% increase in your profitability. So the, the power, the leverage that pricing has is huge for these organizations. I, I think people, yeah, I think they do get caught up in their head about it and they do get caught up in kind of a cost basis kind of uh, view of it. But um, you know, if you can crack the pricing nut, I think you can, it can really move the needle for most of these businesses. Let's talk about the mindset around that because I think, I mean, you kind of alluded to it was the, how do you suggest people sort of think about pricing or approach pricing. Well, so the first thing that I would say is that it's really important that people understand the optimal model for pricing that they want to use, right? There is not just one best model because it depends. Like a lot of our clients, we've helped to set up successful performance and, and equity types of compensation models, which are not appropriate for all consultants yeah. and certainly not appropriate for the, the early stage or novice consultant. But when you have a good model in place and you can really deliver results, it, it can be incredibly lucrative and rewarding and, and fun, quite frankly. Yeah. But, you know, then focusing on like ROI based fees, right? Value based fees is, is a really great approach because you're connecting the return on investment that you are delivering for the client to your compensation. I mean, you're you're moving away. And so we had a client that was gonna be charging $50,000 for a project based on their hourly fee. And when we really kind of looked at what they were doing and we had a conversation around, well, what is the value for your client? Like if they if they do this, what do they benefit? What, is, what do those benefits look like? How does that impact their bottom line? How does it impact you know other areas of their organization? And then another area that a lot of people don't talk about, everyone, you know, people know about ROI, right? Return mm -hmm. on investment. But a lot of people don't talk about COI. And COI stands for cost of inaction. So when you can also mm -hmm. help your buyer to see the cost of not taking action, the cost of staying where they are, how that can impact, you know, their stock price, their market share, competitors getting an edge. You know, there's a lot of different factors that you can actually yeah. identify that create and demonstrate value around the cost of inaction. So when you look at cost of inaction, you look at return on investment, and then you have a really deep and meaningful conversation with your buyer or with, you know, prospective client around that, it becomes very clear that you're able to earn more. And in fact, what happens is, if you stay with a typical model of hourly fees or daily rates, most buyers will actually look at you as a consultant uh, or anyone in professional services as an expense. You're yeah. a cost to them. It's like, how much exactly. is it going to cost us? But the moment where you engage in a really deep and meaningful conversation and you're helping that buyer to see the value, you're helping them to see what happens if they stay where they are, you're asking them questions that others typically aren't asking them. Now they look at that as an investment, right? I mean, Bruce, you and I would be happy to make an investment into something if we know that we're going to get more back from it. And it's the same with our clients. If they know that they're going to get more than what they're putting into it, their mindset shifts to not thinking about that as a cost or an expense anymore, but rather as an investment. And so most people are willing to invest more. They're actually happier to invest more. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's not scary, but they're happier to invest more because they know that the more they invest, the more they're going to get back from that. And so that is really the, the mindset that consultants should have. I would encourage them to have around this. Uh, and it all stems from coming into and having a conversation with your ideal clients so that both parties are, are focused on the value rather than just numbers. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I think ends up happening, or I've, I've noticed around that, is when when a, a consultant prices their work by the hour, 
it skews their sort of their internal incentive to get more efficient. Because if they if they figure out how to get that project done, if they if they go through a process that normally takes them ten hours and they figure yeah. out how to do it in five hours, well now they've just cut their rate now. <laughs> you know, instead 100%. of thinking about well, like what's the value I can generate, now how can I deliver that same value for half the amount of time and, and basically actually not change the cost for the client. The client's still paying the same. But my internal profitability has gone up significantly by improving how I work. And I think that the cost-based kind of pricing, both, both model and mentality, just ends up skewing that you know, and, and missing that as, a, as, as an opportunity. For sure. I mean, yeah, people that are using hourly fees, in fact, I mean, you're, you're almost encouraged to provide yeah. a result <laughs> like slower, right? To yeah. take more time to provide a result to a client. Whereas if you can provide that result much faster, you know, again, back to your point, right? Not only is there more leverage and, and more margin in that for you, right? But even more importantly, the, the client gets to benefit sooner. Yeah. So it's in the client's best interest to have that result provided to them as quickly as possible. And, and when you get the client to see that, then it makes sense that your compensation should also rise if you're able to, like clients don't care about how long it takes you. I mean, yes, they want to know a timeline, but they're not paying for your time. Mm -hmm. They don't care about the time. They want a result. And so that's really the opportunity for consultants is to stop focusing on your time, your time time is, is, is whatever you want to like make it. It's not mm -hmm. about your time. It's about the result and the solution, the output, the outcome for the client. And when you really shift your focus from how long something's going to take you or how much you charge by the hour or by the day or whatever, and, and instead have the conversation with your buyer around what is the real outcome and result and value that they want, and then figure out how you can best deliver that and make sure that there's a positive return on investment for them in that situation, then most buyers and clients will be very happy to engage with you in those terms. Yeah, and, so, and you hit on something that I, I would love to uh, chat about for a bit. I think this this idea of target customer or ideal customer, and, and to the extent it plays into pricing, you know, it may, but how do you address that? How do you help companies or how can you help consultants, individuals figure out who they really should be working with and who they shouldn't be working with. What, what's your process or what's your recommendation around that? Yeah, definitely. We do a lot of work with our clients around this because it's, it's so important. We call it ideal client selection. One of the first things that we actually do is we take people through a process called the ideal client discovery process because it drives everything, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're not clear on who your ideal client is, then how can you market effectively to them, right? Yeah. I mean, one of the keys to be able to develop a message that gets the attention and interest of your ideal clients and really has them raising their hands so they want to engage in a conversation is to ensure that you're able to, to speak to them, right? I mean, we're all surrounded by so much noise these days that it's very easy for us to just dismiss or ignore mm -hmm. um, all of the messaging. But if someone is putting a message in front of you that is speaking directly to you, right, it's going to get your attention. If I said, hey, Bruce wearing the black shirt, like you'd be, I think you're sure you're wearing Bruce's <laughs> black, uh, right? You'd probably be like, oh, Bruce, I'm wearing a black shirt. Like, that's me, right? So I got your attention. But if I just said, hey, guy, and then you're, you know, we're yeah. in a room with thousands of people, it's probably not going to get your attention. So the more specific that you can yeah. identify your ideal client and have really good criteria, first of all, it becomes easier for you to find them because you know what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. But then it also becomes a lot easier for you to get their attention and their interest because you can develop messaging that will re really resonate with them. And when you also know who your ideal client is, now you can create solutions, right? You can create offers that will resonate and align with them because you know who you are really targeting. And I think the other really big opportunity for people is that you have the choice to focus on, on any type of, you know, ideal client out there. And so if you want to target 
low value, low paying clients, that's your choice. Mm -hmm. But if you want to target working with higher value organizations or higher value clients that you really enjoy working with that, that are more profitable for you, then you can also do that. So this is one of the biggest choices that a lot of people, I think, just get really weak on, yeah. right? They're, they're not clear. They're not, they're not really stringent. And so they end up saying like, I'll take on any type of client that comes. So their business ends up being very bloated and very complex and very mixed because they have many different types of clients. Yeah. They're then have to have many different, you know, variations of their messaging, yeah. uh, which uh, they, and they have to have different offers to try and service all these different people and different price points. And so they create these very kind of complex beasts that end up also creating a lot of overwhelm and people just get tired. They get burnt out. Yeah. Well, instead, you know, you can create a very, very streamlined, very systematized, very clear and simple approach by saying, okay, this is who my ideal client is. You know, I have a track record in working with this type of person based on their geography, based on the size of the company, based on where I've created results and where I enjoy working. Like you, you, know, you, you line up all these different factors and then you figure out, is there potential in the marketplace? You go out and you validate that and then you combine you know, all the other pieces of making sure that you have messaging that gets their attention. You have offers that will resonate and align with them. All right. And then you're able to put your marketing and focus on them. And then you build a business with the types of clients you actually enjoy um, and love working with and in a way that's very profitable and, you know, financially rewarding for you. Yeah. And, and I think that that's kind of the uh, somewhat counterintuitive, or at least it can it originally can be counterintuitive for folks is the, the more you want to kind of grow and make more profitable and scale the business is the more you need to focus. And, and yeah, having this kind of bloated client list that, you know, you have to, you have to do everything differently for each client. It just, it makes the whole process of trying to streamline and hone and, and really optimize your, the work you deliver and the value you create really, really complicated. If you're, if you're dealing with a, a mis kind of a mismatch of, of clients. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think actually if you look at the most successful businesses of all time, they typically start off with one offering, right? Or they're very, very focused. And we've seen with many of our clients that, you know, you can have a high six figure, even seven figure consulting business uh, as an independent consultant yeah. with one or two offerings. Like you don't need to have 10 different services and tons of people to create a very high profit margin business that still allows you to have a lot of freedom and a lot of flexibility. Yeah. So talk a little bit about the mindset around that, because I think, you know, it's difficult for folks. I think people that are early starting things out, you know, some level sort of chasing the revenues, chasing the money a little bit, you know, it's tough to kind of get over that. How do you kind of coach or, or what's the process for you in terms of shifting someone from kind of that, you know, chasing money mode to really being selective and targeted and focused on just the people they know they can be highly profitable with? Yeah, it's a great question. And it really depends on what stage that person is mm -hmm. at. If someone's very early on, I actually don't think it's a bad thing for them to test out, you know, taking on different types of clients a little bit and navigating because for them, the number one priority might just be cash flow. It yeah. might just be generating more cash to be able to, you know, fund and grow the business. It's just about getting some wins because that gives them more, more confidence. Uh, so that's not necessarily a bad thing, but really as quickly as possible, you want to transition your business and your focus to get, getting very clear around who is your ideal client and become comfortable with saying no, right? Become mm -hmm. comfortable that in fact, if you want to have a really profitable, really rewarding, if you want to have the business that you want, it means you have to say no to things that you don't want, yeah. right? If you say yes to every opportunity that comes your way, what's going to end up happening is you have a schedule full of, uh, of projects and clients that are probably not that enjoyable, not that profitable, 
and they're taking up a lot of your time. Then now when that next opportunity that is you know, presenting itself uh, is the perfect fit, you can't say yes to it because you don't have the capacity or you don't have even yeah. the awareness or the focus or the mindset to to be open to that because you're so busy just treading water with your current business. So what the you know what successful people find as they work down this path is that the more they say no to the wrong opportunities, the more they're then able to say yes to the right ones. And in fact, the more that you're focused on the right opportunities, the more they will present themselves. Um, mm. You know, think about when you, and I think most of us have had this experience where you go out, you are buying a new car and, and maybe it's used, it doesn't matter, but you're getting a, a car. And, you know, when you're looking or thinking about buying that car, you don't really see that many of the, that car around you. But the moment that you buy that car, now all of a sudden you notice it's like, seems like everyone else has the exact same car, <laughs> yeah. right? Why does that happen? Well, it happens because before you weren't focused on it, you weren't concentrating on it. But once you have your car, now you're thinking, well, you're in it. And so you start to see it a lot more. And that's the same with business opportunities. It's the same with with clients, the same with potential, that the more that we focus on what we really want, the more that it actually presents itself. And I think this is kind of like where, you know, that movie, this, the movie in the book, The Secret, mm -hmm. and, and this whole kind of law of attraction. I think this is where people kind of go a little bit wrong on that. It's not just about that when you think about something that it magically yeah. like manifests and comes in, you know, and your life is, is transformed. It's simply that the more that you focus on something, the more that you're going to then be able to see it. Yeah. It still requires you to act on it, but the more that you're going to see those opportunities, uh, and and so that is, I think, where I would encourage people to to at least consider an opportunity for them. Yeah. And I think the, uh, you know, getting, getting clear in your mind's eye, what it is, what is that target customer? What is that target opportunity so that you can see it out there and then making that space? I think it's it's kind of one of those. Unfortunately, your time is the one true limited resource. And if you fill all of your time with just anything that comes at you, you will never to do the projects that you really want to do and, and the ones that are going to be more profitable and, and more successful for you. So I think that I think those tie together really, really well. So we're coming up on time here. If How would someone know, like what questions would someone ask themselves or sort of see in their current situation in terms of assessing where they want to go and what they want to do to be a good candidate to work with you and, and your process? How what what would be what would be, would be the indicators? So yeah, most of our clients reach out to us when they're looking for, for greater clarity. Yeah. So, you know, you're already an expert in what you do. You're very confident that you can provide value and results to your clients, but you want help to either really get your consulting business set up the right way. You want to have a good plan and you want to ensure that, you know, you're not, you're not kind of throwing a whole bunch of stuff at the wall and just hoping that something sticks. And so instead you want help with getting clarity around your messaging, clarity around your ideal client, taking all of your experience and learning how to position it and package it, present it and place value on it and price it the right way. And then also, you know, scaling your business. So if you're someone that already has some clients and you've done some great work and maybe you're you're already generating some good revenue, but you you feel like there's potential that you're not reaching right now and you don't know how to get there or you don't have a good plan that is consistent and repeatable for your marketing or for your service offerings, then we may be able to help you. And, you know, we have a lot of case studies and examples of consultants who have gone through our programs. Uh, and so people are welcome to, you know, to reach out, go to consultingsuccess.com and, you know, you can, you, you can peruse all that. We have plenty of free information as well and, uh, and programs for those that are, that are committed to, to really taking their business to the next level. 
Perfect. And I'll, I'll make sure that the link is on, uh, on the show notes here so people can click through. Michael, this has been a pleasure. I've learned a lot. I think uh, people listening have, have learned a lot. It was uh, Thank you very much for taking the time. It was a pleasure speaking. Hey, Bruce. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed the conversation as well. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.